His magic was difficult to fathom and impossible to describe. But if you listened to the first few minutes of his program, you were hooked. You'd follow him through twists and turns, through elaborate word pictures and apparently irrelevant digressions to the very end of his marathon narrative. No one's shaggy dog stories were shaggier, but then no one else's were as much fun either. Here in the brief portion of the classic radio weekend left to us today is a sample of his art. Holy smokes, I'm getting radio Hanoi here through my cans. Gee whiz. Coming in loud and clear, they're playing rock and roll, friends. I forgot. No, oh, not really. Just to maintain an even keel out there. There we go. Is uh, Flushing still out there tonight? What a great name for a town. Well, <laughs> that's kind of descriptive, though. Bring it up there, Peggy. There, that's it, gang. There we go. enough here. Uh, we have a little alarming thing that I'm just going to have to bring to your attention. This is one of the greatest news notes that I've read in a long Very significant, too. Uh, you don't often hear much out of the state of Washington. I mean, that's, that's a state and uh, a lot of people have doubted even its existence. Uh, there's another state that I have for years felt is just a myth. One of those things that have grown. Has anyone ever actually been in Wyoming? No, I've heard about it. But I've mean, actually been there. Uh, it's, uh, I suppose, you know, there, there's probably a place. Of course, I, there are those who believe in Oz, as a matter of fact. But we have a note here from Washington. And, uh, and I'm going to read it to you exactly the way it came in over the news wire. It's UPI, so it's very official. Cutliff Starkvogel. Cutliff Starkvogel came out of the brush yesterday to report that black bears have taken to watching television through his cabin window. What's more, he says, if the Bruins don't like the program, says Starkvogel, they rip the cedar shingles off the outside of his house. <laughs> Starkvogel, a woodsman, freelance shellfish consultant, and backwoods philosopher, is a... <laughs> this is a UPI. I'm not inventing this. What the devil is a shellfish consultant? Hey, Starkvogel! I uh, just thought of a question about a shellfish, but then I forgot it. A uh, backwoods philosopher is afraid the habit might ruin the Bruin social structure locally. Stark Vogel explains that he can only get two channels on his TV set, and sometimes the bears don't like either program. There just ain't no satisfying some bears, said Stark Vogel, and that is a direct quote. However, I'm walking along the street, and I had just come out of the show, and I'm, I had just made corporal. I remember that vividly. And uh, this old coot came along, and uh, he's a southern-type, Florida-type old coot. And he came along there, and uh, he stopped me. He didn't, want, he didn't want any money or anything like that. He just looked me in the eye and says, uh, um, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going down the street. He says, so am I. And so he said, why don't you go with me? Well, it was one of the rare times in my life that I actually went with, the, you know, this old coot. I had nothing to lose. So I'm walking down the street with this old guy. We're looking in a hardware store. And a lot of great stuff looking in a hardware store. They had bottle cap units that you can bottle your own. So, of course, down in the south, they do a lot of bottle capping. And, and uh, we're looking at bottle cappers. And, 
and the rakes and stuff like that. And then we walk on a little bit further, and we stand and look in the Montgomery Ward store for a while. But we walked on a little bit further, and then we finally got out to his house. Now, now I want to I want to describe a scene here to you that that is is so unreal to me that even when I think about it, I I kind of doubt, uh, and yet I know it happened. I kind of doubt what I what I went through and what I saw. This guy lived exactly the way Robinson Crusoe is reportedly to have lived. He had this old shack out in the middle of a mango swamp. Now, have you ever been in a mango swamp? You don't know what a mango swamp is? Well, that's where they have mangoes, and they smell to high heaven. I'll tell you, when, when the mangoes are in full heat, and uh, they're doing whatever mangoes do when they're hanging there in the sun, you can hardly stand it. Your eyes water... And uh, it's tremendous. And they had, they had all kinds of flowers growing all over. And he was deep in the heart. And you don't have to go very far out of a town in Florida to get deep in the heart of something. And uh, we're deep in the heart of the sand and the grubbles and the, and the palmettas and the, the Spanish moss and all that jazz. And in this low house, a low house that was made out of Sinclair five-gallon oil drums that he had hammered flat and had put together and had built on cinder block. We just lay in there, flat and low. And uh, we walked past the heron, we walked past all the raccoons. And little did I realize I'm about to get one of the great educational experiences which has forever remained in my, right in my skull there. And it's made me a little bit afraid of Ilka Summer. It's made me worry a little bit about uh, Shirley MacLaine and uh, Audrey Hepburn. And uh, a lot of people, because um, it's made me suspect beauty. That beauty quite often contains something in it that is not exactly the same thing that you find deep down inside of the great jawbreaker of life. You know, that sweet little seed that you're always hunting for when you go through layer after layer and it changes color. Well, you know, it could be parallel with life. And you always expect that what you're going to get in the middle of that great big fat jawbreaker of life, you're going to get this succulent... Uh, caraway seed, maybe, or some kind of a thing that's even better than all the all the layers. But what would you do if uh, you got down to the inner seed there and you sucked off the final layer and it exploded? Blew your molars right out the back of your head. How would you like that, huh? Just, uh, you know, it's a rhetorical question. I don't want anybody to call up and say, I'd like that. Well, you can have your own masochism, friend. You can find your own scene. We all got to hang up. Uh, you know, yours isn't the same probably as anybody else's, so don't come crying on my shoulder. I ain't got time for that. Uh, however, we're walking through these uh, possums, and I could smell the bougainvillea. It's beautiful. The sun is beating down. And he wanted to show me real life, what Florida life was really like. And the sand is hot, and you could see the possums running around under the porch, and uh, you could smell those. Let me tell you, mangoes, when they are ripe, when they are, they, there's several kinds of mangoes. I think there's one called Hearts Mango, like that. Yeah, Hearts, Pango Mango, all kinds of names. And then there's one called the Vinegar Mango. There's also one called the Turpentine Mango. And if you ever get tangled up with one of those, Dad, your tongue turns green. Awful. And so we're walking along by a shack there. And I see up on the, up on the roof there, sitting right directly above me. Oh, I'd say about six, seven feet above me, just uh, hanging on that roof. He had a roof made out of kind of a flat pieces of pine and shingles cut. And it was a beautiful little place, really, in a nutty kind of way, you know, if you like 
you know, like dens. It was a den. And uh, on top of the roof was a peacock. A peacock. Now, peacocks have always been a criterion of beauty. As proud as. Or as beautiful as. And this was a big peacock. Now, that's different from a peahen. This was a peacock. This baby had a tail that was 17 feet long. He had two red gimlets for eyes. And he was beautiful. I mean, you know, he had this long, flowing... He's the only guy I ever knew who had a pet peacock. I looked up. I said, the peacock, huh? Yes, it's And uh, we walked on around the side of the house, and this peacock watched me, see? And its beak was moving a little bit. And it went, oh! That's the way a peacock goes. Oh. Well, I turned my back on that son of a gun. And that's where I made my mistake. It's when you turn your back on these things. I turned my back on that son of a gun. And I heard behind me just one short, quick, ah, like that. And the next thing I knew, 427 pounds of beauty was hanging on my shoulder blades and tearing my shirt to ribbons and pecking at the back of my neck. Holy smokes, this baby grabbed me, clawed, grabbed my left ear, screaming and yelling. I turned and I grabbed him by the neck and I pushed him off into the weeds. He went, ah, ah, ah! He came tearing back with those two red eyes. Five minutes later, I'm in front of the show. My shirt torn off the back. Gasser meets me out there and says, holy smokes, where you been? I said, nowhere. You can't tell a guy that you've been attacked by a peacock. My shirt's all ripped up, and the blood is coming out of my ear, and he says, holy smokes, what kind of a chick did you run into? I played it cool. I said, well, you know, I appeal to that kind. And you know, from that moment on, I had a strange reputation in Company K, but I have never, no, no, I keep these things to myself. I don't talk about, you know, you can't, you just can't tell people about being attacked by a peacock. Or had like, like the other day. Listen to this one now. You think, uh, here, I have a note here from, uh, from England. You know, they got this medical system where guys get, you know, false teeth free. Here's a guy reported that an emu ate his hearing aid. Do you think anybody believes him? No. Oh, yeah? I wouldn't put it past him. I do not trust anything. Peacocks, nothing. Possums, the whole scene. Just keep low. Give them a low silhouette, Dad. And, uh, yeah, you know. You know. Uh, you're swinging up to special values. Swinging right up.